Welcome everybody to Damage Radio. We're here live on MonsterRadio.com where music reminds me. You already know me, I'm RC, alongside my guest. This man's a film screenwriter, producer, actor, podcast host. He does it all. The one and only Newt Wallen. Newt, thanks so much for your time, man. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Sorry about all the mess ups when it came to this shoot date and getting this on camera and whatnot. <laughs> Listen, man, we're, we live, we're living in crazy times these days. Uh, I know you said, you know, like I read in an intro, screenwriter, producer, how has all of this been affected with you with COVID? I know I talked to Brandon Brooks and he said it actually helped him. How about in, in, in your situation? Yeah, so I, uh, I ran movie theaters for 21 years, like all over the country. And my cat's attacking her reflection. <laughs> I ran movie theaters for 21 years uh, all over the country. And, um, you know, I had to put a lot of those dreams on hold uh, for all those years. And then uh, right before COVID happened, I went to go work at Screenwave Media uh, to be an office manager and, and keep, you know, get things on task. And uh, during COVID, because some of us were already in office, we just kept moving and the company signed more people who can work from home and, and we kept making shows. So we ramped up during COVID while other people were ramping down because honestly, like we're, we were all together nobody saw anybody outside of that. Um, so the small group of us that were there were responsible, obviously, but we're like, well, we might as well do something with this. So we backlogged scripts that we had and we pitched new shows and we looked out for IPs and all this kind of stuff. So it was, it was definitely advantageous, but it was also kind of frustrating because like, I want to bring my actor friends in that I've worked with a million times. Like Brandon's worked with me a million times, but I can't, I can't have anybody at the studio and we have to figure out a way to write things where it could be green screen or, or whatever, so that we can include people. So it was definitely, um, not easy, but in the long run, like when the world started to open up again, we had kind of created new avenues for ourselves. Now, what kept you motivated through all this? What kept you driven and keep going when everyone else is kind of like stuck in that shell? It's not easy, but I've lived under the like thing that like, I'm too dumb to stop, you know, like I'm, if somebody tells me to stop, I'm just going to keep going. Cause like, what's it hurt? You know, you're going to get to a point eventually where you're either going to achieve your goals, not achieve your goals or not achieve your goals and know you tried. And I would rather fail and tried. So, you know, we, we shot pretty much all of a movie during COVID with just two people, actually two movies during COVID with just two people filmed our stuff and then left our pieces for other people to film on their own. And we cobbled it together uh, that way. And one of them will be out. Oh, geez. Uh, I don't know. Sometime in the winter, maybe, or 20 early 2022, we just have to reshoot the opening because now that we can have people in studio, I want the opening to be as cool as I wrote it to be. So we're going to do that. Um, you know, writing and and doing this stuff is better than like digging ditches. So, you know, you just got to keep on keeping on. (laughs) Definitely, man. I feel that. Yeah. Now uh, let's go back to square one, man. Uh, Tell the damage fans a little bit about yourself. Okay. I am, uh, I'm from South Jersey. uh, And uh, I fell in love with movies when I was a really, really little kid. 
And uh, I always said I was going to be a uh, screenwriter, but I didn't know how, like in the days before the internet, cause I'm 40, like, you know, the only time you could get your hands on a screenplay was when the malls used to have like trade shows. They would have like yes. comic book and card shows. And they like, like I bought like, oh, this is the, this is one of the Freddy versus Jason scripts. So I learned how to write screenplays based on those scripts I used to buy at malls, like Kevin Smith's Superman script. I modeled after that when I was in middle school and high school, how to write a script. And then um, I started working in a movie theater in like 1999, uh, met a lot of cool people through that, went away to college at the University of Vancouver uh, Film School because I had written a screenplay that won an award at the Marco Island Film Festival when I was 17 and um, I used that as my way to get into college. And then uh, I was at college for a year and I realized that like, it wasn't for me, like I wasn't doing what I thought I was gonna be doing. And also they weren't putting much of an emphasis on digital cinema at that time. And it was like, you know, it's, I'm a hockey fan. It's like the Wayne Gretzky thing. Don't go to where the puck is, go to where the puck is going. And everything I read, digital film was the future. So it's like, well, why aren't we doing this? So I left, I came back here um, in like 2003. Uh, that's where I met Justin Silverman, uh, who is the showrunner and producer for the Angry Video Game Nerd. Um, and uh, I wrote a zombie script before like zombie movies had picked up and Dimension Films brought me out to LA uh, for a short period of time. And um, they had us in a writer's room and they were doing all the remake stuff and nothing of mine ever got out the door, but they just had a bunch of writers together. And I was like, oh, like maybe I could, I'm, you know, stupid enough to make this work. And uh, I came back here and I was working on trying to get my own stuff together. And I had another web show in the early days of YouTube called Underbelly that had like over a hundred thousand subs. And then uh, after that fell apart, like I did things here and there. I wrote for a lot of other people. Um, I have three videos that went like viral, viral. Um, I produced an Andrew WK music video called It's Time to Party. Um, I produced uh, when the Philadelphia Eagles were getting ready to fire Andy Reid. We shot a video uh, called We'll Never Win with Andy, where it was like a parody song of the Taylor Swift song. That went super viral. And then I did something else video game related that went viral so it's just like i've just thrown a bunch of crap at the wall and then see what sticks and then uh for the last 10 years i've been making a movie for literally no budget uh called uh, midnight show um which is all made up of fake movie trailers brandon's in that a lot of people are in that mm -hmm. um and um it, it's just hard because you can only do stuff when you have the money to and the time to so i just i have my desktop has like a hundred screenplays that I've written on it. I've written at least 30 comic books that I like all this stuff. But if you're not established, it's harder. So it's just piecemealing things. If an indie producer, like super, super indie guy, like a Len Kabazinski comes to me and says, I want you to write Swamp Zombies 2. I write that. Uh, this dude in uh, Louisiana wanted me to write like an Evil Dead style movie for him. So I wrote something called Floaters, which is about zombie pool toys. And I sold that to him. Uh, this guy in Kansas City, I've written three screenplays for in the last year. Um, River Beauties, uh, Cult of Blood, and Strange Toys I just turned in on Monday. Just like quick turnaround stuff. Like, you know, it's, it's not Shakespeare. It's like 
this is how much money we have to make this. Can you make that happen? So I would write something that's very dialogue with very simple gore or something like that. And just that's kind of how I've been doing things for the last few years. And now that I'm at Screenway, I produce, uh, you know, talk about games with Mike Matei, who like created the Angry Video Game Nerd. He was one of the creators of the Angry Video Game Nerd character. Uh, a show called Peg Warmers, which is about retro toys. And then I'm a co-host and producer on Hack the Movies, which is like a movie review show. Definitely. So we'll get into That's all of that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely get into all that you said. But um, I know you ran movie theaters for almost 20 years. Talk yeah. about the highs and lows when you were doing that. <laughs> um, you know, when you start out as a 17, 16 year old kid, you got light in your eyes and gumption. Uh, working with the public is the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the higher I rank, I rose up in companies, the more everything was kind of on my back. And uh, I, I don't I don't ever like I, I'm kind of OK with movie theaters being dead because they stole, you know, I had a better hairline and, and less of a gut when I started. Um, no, I mean, it's cool. I met a lot of great people through it. I have a lot of cool experiences. If I ever wanted to write my stories about working in a movie theater, people never believe me. And then like people who work for me or Brandon, they're like, no, that happened. Like I, I like my movie theater stories are so messed up that like John Waters and David Lynch would be like, can you tone it down a little bit? You know, especially my last theater in Wayne, Pennsylvania, because, uh, you know, uh, rich white people. It's like, you know, <laughs> and I'll start with that one. So um, yeah. when did you get your first big break in the film industry? Like what was like, I was, and how was that feeling? Um, I guess like the first time anybody, like the, the first time that like something you've written gets like, ex- like people see it and they're like, Oh, that was great. You know um, you know, even the screenplay that got me into college and stuff like that. It was so like looking back at it now, it's such like, Oh, I want to be Kevin Smith BS. Yeah. And I go yeah. uh, like, if, if I read, if a kid gave me that now, I would like make fun of it, you know, and I'm not a good writer in any way, shape or form, but I at least have like self-awareness now of things I didn't have before. Uh, I guess it's like when someone asks you to write something and they pay you for it, right. you know, that's fine. And like, if they want to rewrite it or whatever, I already cashed the check. So I don't really care. <laughs> Now, what's that process like when someone comes to you and, and like, you know, says they want you to write from a Like, Do you have a certain budget in your mind of how much it's going to cost for you to write something? No, I basically go off what they tell me they have. So if it's like, yo, this is a, I think the biggest budget I've ever had to write with was like $20,000. So I said, yo, give me X amount of money and I want points on the back end. Because I'm like, I'm not going to gut somebody's, because I'm, I'm nobody. Like I'm, Oh, he, he, he's another loud mouth on the internet. Everybody's allowed. Everybody's got a YouTube show, you yeah. know? Um, and you know, so I don't really think anything of that. I'm like, but I could, I write fast and, uh, I'll write to your specifications. I know more so now that I don't really have to put on my own cork into things cause it's not my project. Mm-hmm. I'll do that for my own movies. If I ever get more of my own stuff made, but for these people, it's like, they have a very specific vision and your job is to just meet that. Cause your employer in that situation you know so that's kind of that and sometimes i'll throw in some things the script i just did uh i didn't particularly think their ending worked so i wrote a new ending and they're like oh that was way better you know so 
stuff like that. Uh, the, one of the other scripts, they're like, oh, we kind of didn't want it to be so comedic, but I wasn't looking at it that way. Cause I'm like, you have this much money. This is your story. You should probably take the piss out of it a little bit, but right. it is what it is, you know, and, and you get notes and you redo things. And, um, it was funny, uh, two or three weeks ago, a fan of hack the movies, uh, tagged me in this post on Twitter, but he also tagged like all these A-list directors. I'm talking like James Gunn and Guillermo del Toro and, and Duncan Jones and Edgar Wright and all these people. And I didn't read who the people were tagged in. I just saw this dude's a fan of our show. I'll respond to him on Twitter. He's like, well, how do you deal with people asking for changes of your script and stuff? So I wrote like my sad boy answer, which was like, you know, it, it sucks when you, you, you have an idea and you have to rework it for other people. And then you go through all this and then the movie doesn't even get made or it gets made and they don't tell you that it got made. And then like, I went back to work and then later on in the day, I checked Twitter and Guillermo del Toro, Duncan Jones, Edgar Wright all responded to my tweet about how to deal with that as a creative person. I was like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I took that stupid picture of the, uh, I replaced Freddy Krueger's head with uh, Goldberg in that box nice. set thing. And that went viral. And I'm like, how did that happen? I, this was a dumb thing while I was waiting for somebody to fix the camera. You know, you never know. <laughs> right. Now, um, talk a bit about what you enjoy most about writing screenplays and actually some actually that made it into the film, like uh, Swamp Zombies too. Swamp Zombies was a different thing altogether. Um, Len wanted to do a sequel and he wanted me to write a sequel to one of his movies, but Swamp Zombies is the only one of his movies I'd ever seen. Yeah. Uh, so uh, some other YouTuber friends of mine have kind of made fun of that movie, uh, the, the first movie. I'm sure they've made fun of the second one too. Um, and uh, I was like, well, I could do something kind of cool with this. I can write it as like an anti-sequel. You can write it as Gremlins 2 or RoboCop, where it's like poking fun at the idea of making a sequel to that first movie. So I wrote like, you know, I wrote what I was pretty proud of. Like, I always say that one of my, one of my biggest, like uh, the people, one of the people who hate my writing the most is my production partner, Crystal. And she's like, this is a really good script. And if she said that, that has to mean something because she hates everything that I write, even though she's in all of it. Um, so I thought that was kind of a cool idea to do like the escape from New York meets gremlins two thing. And unfortunately when we got there, certain actors didn't come through and, and we didn't have the resources that we need. So the movie came out the way it did, but that original script is something I was actually really proud of. Cause I was like, Oh, this is like clever. And I literally wrote it in two days. I wrote 92 pages in two days. And then the director cut it down to 60 something because there were scenes he didn't want to shoot. Um, but, you know, we shot it over a couple months in Philadelphia and South Jersey. And then he took his crew back to Erie, Pennsylvania. And then, you know, shot some the, the opening and the ending that I wasn't as crazy about. But that's it's not my movie. So I don't you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like when you go in when, when you go in that mind frame you got 92 hours to write something down what's some yeah. rituals that you have to make sure that you get you know we need to get done It's easier to write a script when like um I get like I get like drunk on ideas sometimes like uh you know Florida man saves christmas is an idea that I had while stuck in traffic and 
that page, that script is almost 200 pages long and I wrote it over the course of like a couple weeks, but like there was too many ideas in that. And I could see the beginning, the middle and the end, like I'm looking at your face right now. And like, I got so in love with that, that it sparked me to write another script really quick. It's when I can't, I have an idea, but I don't know where it's going. And I don't like to not know where something is going. Um, although like I try to, I, I, I try to think and I was like, okay, I'm going to write a script where every few pages, the story becomes something completely different. So it starts out as an alien movie, which becomes a summer camp movie, which becomes a slasher movie, which becomes a this, and uh, it's called nude beach bloodbath. And I was like, let me just throw everything in here that should not fit and then try to make it fit. And that one worked out okay. But like, for the most part, if I come into something, I have a concept, I have a general idea of what I want the characters to be. There's a couple scenes I want to write towards, um, or there's like a bit of dialogue that I have in my head that I was like, oh, I really want to put that in here. And then, um, you know, some are just easier than others, you know, it's like, and so, and again, everything that I write is like schlocky garbage. So it's not like I'm writing like David Mamet style stuff, you know, you're writing zombies and boobs and and gore and aliens so it's like you can't sit here and like discuss the theory of film and all this kind of stuff and sound like a an a-hole because it's like well no you're writing stuff called like you know last video store on the left by the cemetery or galaxy of the dead or sharkula you know you so it's just like you know uh you know the movie pieces the, the 1981 spanish italian uh uh film the tagline is it's exactly what you think it is. And that's kind of what I try to do because there's nothing worse in an exploitation movie than selling people a false bill of goods. You right. know? <laughs> I definitely agree with that. Now, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. There's a thing called Crypt TV, right? Yes. Okay. Now, what do you think about that? Giving producers a chance to put their stuff out there and sell their movies for six months to put, get put on to their YouTube channel. I think it's awesome. I'm, uh, I'm too like nervous to try that stuff because I don't want people to tell me I suck. <laughs> yeah. But no, any of those things that come up, like I look at them and I'm like, ah, oh, it's awesome. Like, I, I wish I was younger. You know, I wish I like, I wish I knew now the things that I knew when I was like 19 and 20 and I had all these crazy ideas because now it's like, you know, there's so many resources out there for things that can get on Crypt TV or, or Tubi or Amazon. I mean, Swamp Zombies 2 was on those things. Literally, you can accomplish anything. If that movie is is on a streaming platform, there's no reason your movie can't be on a streaming platform, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I know that a a buddy of mine actually uh, was talking with you for a little bit, was going to do some work with you. Uh, Shout out to J.P. Hoffman, who writes horror movies. Yeah, Yeah, uh, he's a good friend of mine, and uh, he he is on Crypt TV, and Mm -hmm. there's the struggle of staying with it and not giving up on your dreams yeah there's just and that's the biggest thing is like i said like i'd want to if i'm going to go out i'm going to go out punching you know it's like i want to at least know that somebody was like oh yeah that guy did that thing that was kind of cool um you know people still know me from the stupid paperboy trailer that i did years and years and years ago i turned the video game paperboy into a, a canon film and I shot like a shot digitally, then converted to actual VHS. I banged on the top of the VCR to get the thing. 
and uh, it was all practical effects. I was horribly burned while making it. Um, so, but like, yeah, like people like that, like I want to do everything. And when people go, oh, let's do this thing. And then unfortunately, like life and money and time gets in the way. And I, I always feel bad because I don't ever want people to think that I'm like trying to big time them. Because again, like I'm, I'm second banana on a, on another YouTube show. Like it's not, you know, yeah. I'm not the guy you're out there doing stuff for Crypt TV and stuff. And I'm just uploading stuff to YouTube, you know? <laughs> right. Now talk a little about um, sometimes when like you have a certain idea and you write a script out and you think it's amazing and you go to show someone and they give two, you know, what's about it. How like yeah. hard is it for you? Uh, uh, Screenwave media bought uh, my script for Sharkula. Um, I, I was working with another producer in Portland, Oregon, uh, who wanted to do it for X amount of money. Uh, and, uh, I wrote it for that amount of money. And then he goes, well, let's make it a little bit less. Let's make it a little bit less. And I was really struggling with it. So my boss gave me a small budget to make, uh, Sharkula. And I wrote what I thought was a, a cool script. It's a, it's a vampire shark but it's not like a CGI dumb shark. Like it's literally a dude in a Dracula costume with a great white head. And we have this beautiful silicone detailed head for it. And I built, I had uh, my buddy, Tony DeBartolus built me this bat shark puppet. That's big and cool and puppeteers from the back. And uh, the idea that I had was um, that uh, there was a, uh, the descendant of uh Abraham Van Helsing and his family stalked and killed the last of the vampire clans. And as they cut the pieces of the bodies up over the cliffs of the Atlantic Ocean, they dropped it into the sea. It turned out that the water was polluted from the nuclear power plant and the polluted water had sharks in it and the sharks ate the vampire parts and the sharks evolved into vampire bat parasites. And it, the way I, the creature was Nosferatu spelled backwards because it's kind of like uh, Alucard in... Um, you know, Son of Dracula and uh, uh, Cas uh, Castlevania and stuff like that. So I thought it'd be funny to do that. And um, the whole movie starts with like a heist that winds up becoming this creature film. And I, I wrote what I thought was a really solid script. But unfortunately, what you know is like when you're working with a company that does have a bit of a, you know, they have to be more commercial. So first thing to come out is like the nudity and, and some of the, 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 puns that i wanted to use like apparently you can't use the pun chum shot when <laughs> um so you know uh so i was struggling with how to rewrite that screenplay and uh they had another idea they wanted to do and they outlined it for me and then i took that outline and i came up with something that i'm a little bit more happy with because it feels like it's me but still with their input so I'm about 50 pages into that right now, but I've been doing that slowly because there's just so many other things. But there's been so many times where you hand a screenplay to somebody that you're really proud of and they're just like, eh, and they just don't get it. And you can't, I don't know, it's what's arts in the eye of the and beauty or in the eye of the beholder. Um, sometimes I think my ideas are like a little too obscure and I'm a little too much into cult films and exploitation films. And that's not really where the market is anymore. Right. So I'm always trying to like now going forward, trying to write like more mainstream, like three years ago, I was offered the chance to write a script for a 
an IP of a toy that I literally carried with me everywhere in the 80s. And that's probably like one of the biggest things I've ever been offered. And that project never happened. But like that was one of those times where you go like, oh, my God, like I'm getting a chance to write this thing. And, um, you know, and I tried to make it into a little kid version of Creepshow because there's not like a lot. I've never written a kid's movie before. And I had a lot of fun with that because it's like, oh, yeah, like there's not a lot of kid horror movies. So I wrote this really fun kind of sugar free. It was all, you know, the little monsters and stuff in it. But it was mostly like boogers and farts because you can never go wrong with that stuff. True. And, um, you know, and, and the, the guy who created the toy loved the script, but the producers just didn't. So that one just kind of stayed where it was, you know, so. <laughs> so now for like, like uh, horror cons and stuff yeah. like that, do you like ever go out with your script and find the exact person that you want to go talk to to, to approach them and, and show them your script or? Yeah, which is, um, uh, which is kind of cool because um, the last few that we've done, uh, I have a guy I produced with uh, named Joe Chapman and he always likes to go like all out at conventions. Like he gets like the suite and all that kind of stuff. And then people will come back to the suite who are like, celebrities and they'll hang out and we'll talk about projects and literally like a lot of people are horror conventions like if you pay them they'll be in your thing it doesn't <laughs> yeah. you know and then um we were at the ac horror con i don't know maybe a month ago and there was a 80s 90s child actor who actually knew who i was from youtube stuff okay. so we hung out with him all night and i'm going to be doing something with him uh I don't know, probably in the spring. So that's kind of cool when somebody who you go, oh my God, like I've known this kid for my entire life and he knows who I am, you know? Yeah, it's cool. I was, I kept saying like, are you sure? Like, is there maybe another short, ugly guy who you think I am? <laughs> now, is it hard to be yourself around some of these guys that you looked up to or watch on TV or do you just kind of, at this it point? Used, it used to be, but I honestly don't care anymore. Like it's, you know, never meet your heroes is one thing, but it's also like, if, if you're trying to get them to work for you, be professional. Don't act like a weirdo. Uh, make sure your script is grammar corrected. So they don't think that you're an idiot. Um, there hasn't really been a lot of people who like I've been, and it's funny, the people who I have been like in all over are like people who nobody else would know who they are. You know, like, uh, I think one of the most excited I've ever been to meet any celebrity was Candace Hillgross from Carnival of Souls, the 60s film. Um, I don't know, like, people are people, and if they're not nice to you, they're probably having a bad day, and they've been doing this a million times, and, you know, it, but there are definitely people who I want to work with, you know, like, I would literally give my, I would give you my cat if I could work with Tom Atkins, you know, or somebody like that. Uh, but you know, you got to have a budget for that. <laughs> right. Now with Halloween coming up, um, one movie I know, uh, I think probably from the nineties and two thousands, uh, scream. Yeah. They're going to be writing another one coming out in, mm -hmm. in January. Um, yeah. Kevin Williamson, one hard cat to find to talk to and yeah. do things with, um, what are your thoughts on the screen movies and, uh, Kevin Williamson? So we just recently did um, as an episode, uh, oh, what was it called? I, I know you did last summer and I had never seen it before. Uh, we did the review like a couple months ago and I was like, this isn't very good. 
Like, I remember the first Scream movie being, like, really interesting. But, like, also, like, I had seen a lot of... Because I'm also a big comic book reader, so meta is not new to me. Like, I grew up reading 2000 AD, and I grew up reading Frank Miller and Alan Moore and and Grant Garth Ennis and, and, you know, people like that. Maybe not Garth Ennis as much because he was in the 90s. Um, Grant Morrison. But it's just, like... I'd seen horror movies before that kind of like broke down the thing, the, the whole genre and played with all that stuff. And um, as much as I liked the first scream movie, unfortunately the scream movies killed the slasher genre. And now the slasher genre only really exists as a Reagan era thing, because now that it's been broken down, you can't do it anymore. You know, it's like Deadpool. Deadpool's like, oh, superhero landing and all that kind of stuff. You can't there's there's no more purity in those things anymore because some everybody's always gonna be ready to make the joke about oh scream or deadpool or whatever. Um uh it, it is kind of funny. His uh his screenplay for Cursed, the werewolf movie, right. is the right. reason I got invited to LA though, because after that movie failed. Dimension was going crazy trying to find young blood to come in. So I got swept up in that. So I have a copy of Cursed. I've never seen it before. I love werewolf movies, um, but I just have it because I was like, oh, because this failed so miserably, I got to go to California for three months. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. All paid I, and everything? Huh? All paid? Well, they, paid they paid for everything. They, they put us up in a cool place, and um, I got to meet the woman who was Meredith on The Office back when she was in the Improv Olympics. This was, like, way before The Office came out. and st- Actually, it was not way before. It was, like, right before. Um, yeah, just it was cool. Like, it was, it was a weird three months, and then I had to come back here and work at a movie theater. And I always imagine it's, like, uh, soldiers who return from, like, World War II. Like, how do you keep them on the farm when they've seen the lights of Paris, you know? <laughs> Definitely, definitely get that. So let's talk about, um, you wrote and produced an anthology featured film titled The Midnight Show, which yes. will be coming out in the near future. Yeah. Uh, can, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I, um, I've been making it for 10 years now, uh, literally uh, out of my own pocket, sending directors money to make things. And you can only do it when you can do it because I don't know if you know, but movie theater general managers don't make a lot of money. Uh basically what had happened was coming out of the housing uh, coming out of the like economic crash of 2008 a lot of my like super talented filmmaker friends were quitting filmmaking they didn't want to create anymore and like i'm a hack fraud and not very, very talented but these people are talented and i just could not abide them not making stuff anymore so i created a project to give them a chance to do something which was midnight show and it was sort of like um Grindhouse meets Kentucky Fried Movie meets, you know, Amazon Women on the Moon or whatever. Uh, I wanted to do an anthology of fake Grindhouse movie trailers, short reels of film, and it's all set in a movie theater with like a creature host, uh, this zombie sexy usher um, or projectionist. And uh, I've been making that for 10 years. It's literally the only thing left to do now is just to fix some of the special effects of like older stuff that we did that I can fix now. And then um, 
I want to add some more creatures to the theater scenes. So I put it out on Twitter and Instagram, like, hey, if you do makeup or you have cool masks you make, shoot yourself on green screen and I'll put you in the theater, you know? So, uh, yeah, so that's almost done. And we have beautiful poster art for it. And, um, you know, Lloyd Kaufman is in it. Uh, there's a bunch of weird cameos. Um, it's the last thing Lemmy from Motorhead ever shot was for me. Uh, there's some actors in it. You know, people are dead now. Some people have been me too. So I cut them out of the movie, <laughs> but it's, it's weird. And, um, I was hoping it would be ready for this weekend, but we just have not had the time to fix the special effects. So it'll probably be like maybe December, January, maybe, you know, okay. it's a pet yeah. Now, when you are directing, talk about the process of picking the right actors and actresses. Like, what, how, what do you go by? Um, the people who've been with me since, like, the beginning, because they get it. Uh, it's hard when you go, okay, we're going we're gonna to be shooting scenes from Mars vs. Cheerleaders today, and I need four sexy cheerleaders covered in slime shooting guns. And then you go to an actress, and they go, no. <laughs> so I have this kind of traveling group of uh, friends who've been with me since the beginning and we pick people up as we go and we drop and lose people and stuff like that. But there are people who get it and they just like that. It's fun. And we try to keep very relaxed, very professional sets. Uh, you know, I'll do things when I'm directing where we'll do a take and I'll be like, that was good, but maybe we can do it better. Or I'll say to an actor like, Hey, stop ruining my movie. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, you know, it's it's one of those things like everybody who's in our stuff now is basically the people who've been around forever because they know exactly what they're getting into, you know. Right. Now, yeah. I asked uh, Brandon Brooks the same question. Uh, is there any do you ever have a certain actor that like that, that was that was on, on one of your movies that wanted like certain M&Ms or certain food that day? Oh, yeah. No, we, talk, talk uh, about that. And, and what was the we, craziest thing you, you heard? We've had, we, <laughs> so, um, I, I don't want to name any names. I'll, I'll, uh, no, I'm not even name names. I'm going to have to be very vague. Uh, we just, we had, um, we had an actress who was brought in because, uh, she is a, uh, not an adult film actress, but like she's in that world. And, um, it was so like, not that kind of project. Like there was no nudity or anything like that. Um, and the whole, I picked her up from the place where she was. I picked up her and the guy that was coming with her to be her, like, you know, her guy. And, uh, the whole ride there, she was telling me about like how she doesn't want to do anything with skin in it and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, great, perfect. This isn't what this is at all. We're doing this, you know? So we shoot the scene and then she goes in the back and comes out like naked. And I'm like, oh, Okay. And she's like, oh, I got you guys. Uh, and we're trying to make film the scene. But, like, there's people there who, like, they didn't sign up for that. Yeah. Because we were filming at someone else's location. And the person who gave us the location is a very religious person. So I had to go back and be like, hey, like, this is the thing, you know. And she lost it and was so mad at me and yelling at me and telling me about how my craft and all this kind of stuff. And, and then it's like, well, you didn't have this kind of bottled water here. And I had asked for that. And I'm like, well, who did you ask it for? But no, I, you should have asked me what I wanted. And I said, no, I, I send out a thing and I go, we're going to have this. Does anyone have any dietary restrictions? Is anyone, 
vegan or gluten free or whatever. I want to make sure everybody's happy. And I had a green room set up and all. So it became my fault. And then, so we go back to filming and we let her cool down. And then she's like, I want to ride to uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Everybody was on break. Great. I will take you to Dunkin' Donuts. So we go to Dunkin' Donuts and I'm like, um, I go, oh, I'm going to go in and get an orange juice. Don't come in with me. Okay. So I sat in the car and uh, so then I had to take her back. So towards the end of that shoot, she was starting to tick off other actors on the set and stuff like that. So uh, I paid her for the rest of the day and I just had someone drive her away and I cut the scene completely out of the movie and it cost me money, but it's just not like, that's one of the craziest ones that I've ever dealt with. But you also have like, when you're doing stuff for other people and a director refuses to shoot the scene that you wrote that kind of ties the movie together because he's like, my character wouldn't do that. And I'm like, I know, but we, we already set up the over here, the effects. So we kind of need this. So then you have to rewrite things on the spot. And it, then you, people watch the movie and they go, well, that doesn't make sense, but you can't, say why that happened because then you're diming somebody out you know right. there's just been a lot of that there's been people who like it's why we keep our circle so small when it comes to actors and people because it's like i just i it costs it's coming the money's coming out of my pocket the time is coming out of me working i don't want to be unhappy when i'm there and i don't want my friends who are there to be unhappy so i would rather work with an inferior actor or something like that if it means that everybody's having a good time right yeah. What do you enjoy the most, um, screenwriting, producing, or acting, and why? Acting's easy. Like, you know, I get in trouble for saying this all the time, but people are like, oh, I'm, I'm method and all this kind of stuff. I go, I'm going to say this thing now, and I'm this guy. Like, yeah. that's what acting is. Right. Say it like you mean it, but, like, for the most part, like, the things that I'm cast in, I'm not – I'm not playing Abraham Lincoln. I'm playing nerdy guy who gets killed by zombies, you know? <laughs> uh, I guess I like the writing process sometimes when, when the idea works for me. and um, But sometimes it gets very frustrating when you have nothing that's working. Directing is a little bit different because I like when um, – I like to do it my way and then let everybody else kind of say, what if we try this, and then – play around a little bit and I've never been the kind of person who's like no we can only do it my way because other people might bring something to it that I've never thought of before um producing I I guess I I like producing the best because you put the pieces together for it showed you have this money or this prop or this set what can you do with it and I like that I like doing that a lot you know definitely yeah um what are some of the talent that you worked with that you really enjoyed working with that someone like me or someone else might actually know from TV or movies. Um, who have I worked with? I, I was in a, I was a featured extra in Transformers too. Nice. Uh, I was in dead man down, uh, with the dude who played bullseye and daredevil. Uh, I don't know. I've done a bunch of stuff, I guess like people, um, you know, the YouTube people that I've worked with a lot, uh, have a big following, uh, you know, the cinemasker people and, and I'm good friends with like, the cinema snob and people like that. Uh, I don't know who have we worked with. Who's big. I've worked with a lot of like athletes and things that I've done over the years. Um, mostly it's just my friends though. Like, you know, Crystal Quinn is in all my stuff. She's the tall redheaded girl. 
uh, woman. Um, Justin Silverman is all in my stuff. Uh, Fallon Vendetta, who's a well-known like uh, tattoo model, and she used to be a, a singer in a really popular band. Um, Justin Daniels is a good friend of mine. He owns this really cool toy store called Farpoint Toys down in Atlantic City. And oh, uh, my sorry about that. My phone went off. Uh, and uh, he used to he's in a band and I don't know there's just a lot of cool people who've done stuff and then I'm I'm a big Ed Wood fan and I kind of somehow modeled myself after him where I just collect strays that other people aren't working with but I see something cool in them and there's just like Mr. Lobo is another one he's a he's a well-known horror host Um, he's sort of like my male muse and Crystal's kind of my female muse where I just love I love writing things for them, but then I love the reaction to the things that I make them say or do like part of directing that I really like or writing or producing is just seeing what I can get away with. Right. You know, it's very rare that someone says, I don't want to do that because they know that nothing I do is vindictive. I don't like, even like with Gore, it's all dark comedy. I don't, you know, nobody, I don't want to make, I don't want to make sallow 120 days of Sodom. I want to make, hobgoblins you know <laughs> now when you are an extra in a film mm-hmm. are you there to like not only be an extra but also to network as well sometimes yeah I've, I've actually made a lot of good connections uh crystal used to work for diane heary who's like the big casting person in philadelphia so they needed people i know on transformers i started out with um just they, they were doing second unit stuff uh, for all the college scenes and they just needed someone to wrangle people on set. Cause I do a lot of location management in the past um, used to do stuff with like local commercials and all that. And then they were like, Hey, we need a person. So I just sat in there and I met some really cool people. Um, you know, uh, people who I've worked with since then. And, and you know, but the first thing you don't want to do is like run up to somebody and be like, I'm a writer, I'm a producer. And they're like, okay, cool you try to have a good rapport with people. And then, you know, like I, one of my good friends is uh, Fred Olin Ray, who's a filmmaker. And like literally the reason that I got into wanting to make these kind of movies was because when I was eight years old, uh, we had a satellite dish in our backyard and we used to get like all kinds of crazy channels. And we had uh, a British chat, one of these British networks. And they used to do a show called the incredibly strange picture show. And this British guy would go around and interview like John Waters or like uh, uh, Russ Meyer and stuff like that. And he did this episode with Fred Olin Ray and Fred Olin Ray is on set with a buxom topless woman and a guy in a monster suit. When I was eight years old, I was like, that's what I want to do with my life. And years later, he became a fan of the artwork for Midnight Show and he hired my artist to do work for him. And then he and I just had a good rapport. And then like a couple months ago, because we keep in touch, I, I brought him out because they were showing his movie Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers at the Mahoning Drive-In. So we just spent the whole weekend hanging out and talking. And it was like him talking about all these people that he's worked with and he's friends with. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, so I'm working with Lee Van Cleef or I'm doing this. And I'm like, these are people in my head that they're not really people. They're like superheroes. And he just knows these people. And it's like, it's crazy, you know? So it's it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of well, cool. What's, cool. What's even crazier is they were they were trying to close that down, that, that, that movie yeah. theater. We were there and, the weekend that it was saved. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, yeah, I know a couple of buddies that run it, I think, went to mm-hmm. Montgomery County Community College. That's and, awesome. 
And um, yeah, they were playing. Um, they had a couple of wrestling wrestlers that were there. And yeah, then, uh, a guy who used pu- to be a guy I hired as a game tester was a wrestler. Because uh, what I, I also produce video games um, for Screenwave Media. Uh, check out Screenwave Media Games. Um, but uh, one of the guys who was a game tester for me uh, from Buffalo, New York, was a wrestler at that thing, and he just thought it was the coolest thing ever that there was a wrestling ring set up, and then they showed wrestling movies. And like, you know, it's all 35 millimeter film. And that's where I started. Like film is dead, unfortunately. Um, but no, the drive-in's awesome. We were there two weekends in a row. We did, uh, we were special guests at VHS Fest. And then we were special guests at the Joe Bob event. Um, and that was really, really cool. Cause I'm a huge Joe Bob fan going way, way back, you know? Uh, so we were, we got to be guests at that, but both weekends, like it was wetter than Nam outside. Like it was raining sideways. I ruined two pairs of shoes mm. at that event. Uh, but it's cool, you know, and uh, I, I want to go back. I want to do an event there next year where we program movies and stuff like that. I think that'd be kind of dope. But, you know, they're they're busy there. They're, and they're, they're, people come from all over the place. It's crazy. Yeah, I love the one that Roddy Piper did when we, he, he, oh, yeah. he, he kicks butt and chews bubblegum and he's all out yep, of bubblegum. They live. Yep. yep they live. That's a great That's one. one. Yep. Mm-hmm. I have the, my entire house is filled with framed old original movie posters. Right behind me is uh, Son of Dracula, where yep. Ringo Starr played Merlin the Magician. And then Blackula is over here is another favorite one of mine. But I have a They Live uh, Italian lobby card in the hallway over here. Nice. Yeah, uh, you just mentioned uh, Screenway Media. Uh, tell us about that place and what's your role there. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm the production coordinator right now. I started out as the office manager and then I was the games team manager. I'm not much of a video game person, but I am very detail oriented. And I was trying to pull projects that had been sitting for a really long time over the uh, hump to get them done. And in the last year, I produced um, Dodo Peak. Angry Video Game Nerd 1 and 2 Deluxe, Eagle Island Twist, and then we have a new game called Dumpy and Bumpy, which is like a bubble bobble type of game, and a game called uh, uh, Love 3, which will be out in November and December, and then we have a really cool slate of games beyond that, um, and so I do that. Uh, Screenway Media is a YouTube, oh, one-stop YouTube uh, agency. They, they handle management uh they do brand deals uh we produce content we produce video games we uh we produce podcasts and and merchandise and dvds and t-shirts and all that kind of stuff um so we do a little bit of everything and then this weekend we are at too many games which is a uh, retro gaming convention that we own um that's why i didn't think i was going to make it here in time to record this because we had to load all the trucks up to take everything to the convention. So I'm like covered in cuts and bruises and I haven't eaten yet today. And all I've had is this delicious uh, level up IPA from Yards uh, Brewery. So you should, you should definitely get some of this and they may or may not have paid me for this plug. (laughs) (laughs) But keep, but keep uh, refilling my cup for me though. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're actually dropping me off more. I'm going to start putting it on set. So yeah. (laughs) It's um, It's tropical. I'm not an IPA guy. It's like, I feel like if you're going to drink IPA, you got to have a man bun, you got to vape. Right. And I don't have enough hair to man bun it. (laughs) So I know you're not a really big wrestling fan, but I heard you worked with a lot of professional wrestlers and you also have a, a story about John Cena. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, so um, I used to manage a comic book store in South Jersey called Hall of Heroes. I think it's called Adventureland now. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, we used to do once, probably once a year, we would bring in like a big name wrestler to uh, to have a signing. And, um, you know, in the time I was there for six years. So we had The Undertaker. We had Goldberg. We had... Um, uh, you know, we had John Cena, we had Rey Mysterio, uh, and then uh, The Rock's dad was in there at one point, um, which is funny now because now I get I I've been DMing back and forth with Diamond Dallas Page, yes, yeah, uh, which, yeah. which is kind of cool because um, one of the guy Kieran on Cinemassacre uh, does DDP yoga and he lost like an insane amount of weight. So I got in there and was talking and he's like, well, why don't I challenge you to a wrestling match? So I was like, oh, I will totally wrestle Diamond Dallas Page. I'll probably get paralyzed, but, you know, <laughs> but yeah, so John Cena in um, 2004 at the Echelon Mall, which I'm not even sure if the Echelon Mall is still there anymore. Um, he was like a big name at that point. And I didn't really know who he was per se, so because I don't know wrestling, the old manager used to be like, the old owner used to be like, well, you're the guy who's going to pick them up, drive them around, do whatever they have to do, because I won't fawn over these people because I don't know who they are, you know? So, uh, so I, had, um, I had lost my job at one of the movie theaters because I had spinal cancer. <laughs> and uh, you sign a contract with the one company I was at and I could no longer perform the job. So they, they let me go. Um, so I wasn't working there anymore. And John Cena, I pick him up at the airport. I rented a nice car and I'm like, well, what would you like to do? Would you like to go back to your hotel? He's like, no, I'm wired. I kind of want to go see a movie. So we went to go see the second underworld movie, but I purposely took him to the theater that fired me. <laughs> so the woman who fired me, cause I knew she was a big, her and her boyfriend, were big wrestling fans. She was like, wait, why does Newt know John Cena? <laughs> so we went to go see that. Then the next day, um, everyone got a voucher who bought a ticket to see, to meet John Cena, get an autograph. The line went like literally around the mall into the second level where the JC Penny was. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm running the actual store while everybody's out there. They're coming in, they buy stuff to go get signed, whatever. And this guy comes in and he's like, you know, I'd like to get a ticket. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, they're sold out. And he's like, well, where does it say it's sold out? And I was like, well, there's signs out there. He goes, why didn't you come that way? I was like, okay, well, the sign is over there. I, I can't help you. We don't have any more tickets. He's like, I'll see you later. And I go, okay, sure. So I go back to working. And at the time, my ex-girlfriend worked upstairs at uh, uh, what's the lingerie store called? Victoria's Secret. Yeah. And she comes down and I put the gate down and I see that guy walking towards the gate. And I'm like, uh Oh, he pulls a hunting knife out of his jacket and starts trying to stab at the gate of the mall. And I have to stay locked inside now because I have to wait for the police to come. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my John Cena story. Gee, so what happened? They came and got him. Yeah. It's crazy. And then I had to open the next morning at 8 a.m. Um, I have one funny story about The Undertaker. They did, uh, they used to do like Motorcycle Day or Harley Day or whatever at the Atco Raceway. And that's where we had our signing with The Undertaker. And he was a super cool guy. Like I'm a big horror guy. So I thought like his whole shtick was cool. And I knew who he was. Right. Um, 
but it was like 190 degrees that day. And I passed out from not drinking enough water and all that. And when I woke up and looked out, the first thing I saw was the undertaker standing over me with a Gatorade. And I was like, Oh, I died. <laughs> yeah. oh, they call Barrett coming to get you. Exactly. So that's my, that's my two fun wrestling stories. You know, the ones who are really nice, I have nothing but good things to say about, but there's some that were also kind of jerks. So, you know. of course, they always get them. Yeah. yeah. I know uh, me and Dallas, uh, I've done a lot of work with Dallas as well. Um, I had him come to Temple Ambler to do DDP yoga. Oh, cool. Um, I met him up at a Lancaster Barnstormers game. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he we go back to dope. his hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Go back to his like hotel. He puts the damaged shirt on and starts doing a, a salad show. <laughs> no, he seems awesome. Like, because I'm a, I love like the Devil's Rejects and stuff like that, and he's great in that movie. Um, and all the interactions with him have been like genuine. Like, you could tell when people are like, yeah, whatever, you know. But he, he's been cool, you know, and he cares about people getting healthy, which I think is like super awesome, you know. Yeah. And he helps so many people out, whether athletes or professional wrestlers. Yeah, like I've watched videos. He's on like Joe Rogan talking about that guy who was like paralyzed, who yeah. he was able Arthur. to. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So that, that kind of stuff is like super cool. And like, I, I you know, cause I have met celebrities and it's like you have, and I get it, everybody, different strokes for different folks. But if you have a platform and you have the ability to, you should be trying to leave the world a better place than you found it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Now, what was the best piece of advice that you've gotten so far being in this industry? Um, I mean, I'm very much fueled by revenge. So everyone who told me that I couldn't do something just made me want to do something more, you know, yeah. there's been people who've said like, you know, I've gotten advice from people and I've gotten critiques from people that were like good. But for the most part, I remember the names of everyone who told me that I wouldn't ever right. accomplish even the minuscule things that I have accomplished in my life. Like I don't have like a treasure trove of things. I've won some awards, you know, and stuff like that. But um, I remember all the people who told me that I would never get here. And that's kind of, that's what keeps me going, you know. <laughs> now, going off that, do you have a favorite quote that you like to live by? Uh, a favorite quote that I like to live by. No, I tell people that I'm an ambitious failure. Um, I don't know. I don't think I have a favorite quote. If I did, it would be some like cliche, like Edgar Allan Poe garbage nice. or something like that. So I sound all like cool and you know yep i get it so um big convention coming up october 8th to the 10th in oaks pa uh too many games um why should people go to this convention well it's the largest retro gaming convention in the east coast um we're gonna have the rap group twisted there uh the angry video game nerd will be playing with his band um rex viper uh chumley from pawn stars will be there tons and tons of video games tons of cool stuff uh hack the movies will be there we're doing a um we're doing a panel on saturday afternoon i think like four something and then we have an autograph signing on sunday i don't know who the hell would want my autograph so if nobody shows up i'm okay with that but there's just so much cool stuff it's it's one of my favorite it's like it's i only have like three conventions that i like love doing and that's definitely up there because it's like it's Everybody there loves the same stuff. They're trying to put on an awesome show. I know from working at the company how much they care about it. And like, it's some people's like, it's like the highlight of their year. So many people have told us over the last year how much they miss too many games because of COVID and and like it really bummed them out. And I was like, 
man, yeah, like there, there's a family and even like people who go to Monster Mania, um, like there's a little family of people who see each other on these times and it's, that's a cool community. I love, I love community, you know? Yeah, definitely. Now, if people Plus, want to follow your journey like, out there, if people want to follow your journey out there, where do they go? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, I think it's still Newt Wallen. And what am I on Instagram? Uh, <laughs> I think it, if you just look up Newt Wallen, it'll come up. Um, but that's where they can find me there. And then you can look up on YouTube, uh, Hack the Movies. Um, and you can also find Peg Warmers, which is Peg Warmers podcast, which is a show I produce and talk about games, which is a show I produce. But um, I'm mostly on camera on Hack the Movies. So if you go there, we have almost a hundred episodes of funny stories that I tell about working in movie theaters and celebrities who I've met and, and a time I pooped my pants and, you know, always, always something good. <laughs> awesome. Well, new, I, I really appreciate your time, man. And I'd love to have you back on in the near future. Thank you. It was good to meet you. All right. So damage fans member, don't keep it nice and neat. Keep it completely damaged on mockerradio.com where music and minds meet. Completely dead!